On Sunday morning, we're in a sermon series entitled, Doing the Impossible. What is impossible for man is possible with God. When the walls come tumbling down, is what we're looking at this morning. Our scripture reading, Joshua chapter 6, verse 20. So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpets. The people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. So that the people, the Israelites, went up into the city. Every man following the man ahead of him. And they captured the city. I want to remind you that the Bible you hold in your hand is a living book. It's not a book of yesterday, it's a book of today. It's not a book of the past, it's a book of the present. It's not a book that talks about people of old, it's a book that talks about people anew. It's not a book that just talks about things that have happened. It's a book that's talking about things that are happening. It's a living book. And so as we look at Joshua, we're really looking at ourselves. As we look at Jericho, we're looking at the things that stand in our way. The possessing, the blessings of God that he has for us. So this isn't just a story. It's a story about you and about me and what we're facing right here and now, possibly in our own lives. The story. The Israelites, God's people of that day, are marching and fighting to possess the promised land. God had promised them that land would be theirs. For whatever reason, they have fooled around and fiddled around and allowed a lot of years to pass before they finally determined that we are going to become what God wants us to become. We're going to have what God wants us to have. We're going to do what God wants us to do. We are going to claim our blessings. Now, that sounds fine and dandy. But there is a problem. Standing in their way to claiming the promised land is the fortress city of Jericho. Now Jericho was strategically located. So the Israelites can't bypass it. They can't go around it. They must confront it. They must bring it down and they must defeat the inhabitants that are within. Now let me explain a little to you about Jericho, this fortress city that's standing in the way of the people of God. It's not a big city. Historians tell us that it was only about 10 acres in size. So it was very small for a city. It only encompassed about 10 acres within the walls of the city itself. Not only was it a small city, but it also was a very little populated city. When we think of cities, we think of 
hundreds of thousands of people, maybe millions of people. Historians tell us that the city of Jericho only had about 20,000 people within the 10 acres that it contained. But despite its small size, despite the small number of people who lived in that city, Jericho was considered impregnable. The walls of that city were up to 60 feet high. They were up to 45 feet thick. Historians tell us that you could run a chariot around the top of the walls of Jericho. The gates were made of iron, impossible to force open, impossible to tear down. The defenders inside of Jericho were well-trained and battle-tested, and they were led by a warrior king who was very good at military strategy. Jericho was also the center of pagan worship, particularly to the moon god. In that day, pagans worshipped multiple gods. Idolatry was very prevalent. And inside the city of Jericho, there was a temple, a church, if you will, where they worshipped the moon god. And many of the people of Jericho thought that if we're attacked, certainly our moon god will intervene. There will be a divine intervention, and he will step in, and he will save us. To say that the people of Jericho were arrogant, would be understating things. Because of the way the city was fortified, because of the troops that were within it, because of the king that led it, because it was the home base of a god who would certainly help them if they were attacked, they believed that they were invincible. Their city was impregnable. It would be impossible for them to ever be defeated. If you look at verse 1 of chapter 6, you see a phrase that says, Now Jericho was straightly shut up. Straightly shut up. That phrase is an interesting phrase. It really speaks of arrogance. As I said earlier, they were very arrogant pagans. And they really believed nobody could defeat them. Nobody. As long as they stayed behind the walls of their city, it was impossible to defeat them. No one could do it. Now it's with this backdrop that Joshua, the son of Nun, the successor to Moses, is going to lead the people of God on a campaign. The campaign is to capture the promised land But before that can take place, it will be to bring down the city of Jericho. Now Joshua had some principles that he employed to bring down his Jericho. The same principles that Joshua used are the same principles that you and I use to bring down the Jerichos that are blocking us to the blessings of God. So while we're talking about Joshua, who else am I talking about? You. As we look at the principles that Joshua used, 
Who else is going to use those principles? You and I. So let me give you five principles, and I want you to write them down, and I want you to think about them. Principle number one, if we're going to bring down the Jerichos that are blocking us from the promises and the blessings of God, is this. We must first surrender to God's will. I didn't say commit to God's will, and I'll explain that in a moment. We must surrender to God's will. I want you to look at verse 14, if you will, of chapter 5. Just back up a couple of verses. And Joshua chapter 5, verse 14. I want you to notice what Joshua says. Nay, but as the captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth. Think about that. Joshua, the president of Israel, the prime minister of Israel, the king of Israel, the successor to Moses, a great man of God, he fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to the Lord, What saith my Lord unto me? His servant. Now, as I said earlier, Joshua has succeeded Moses. Moses was legendary. He's in God's hall of fame. He's a tough act to follow. But God's work continues even when the man of God is no longer here to do the work of God. One day I will not be your pastor, but the work will continue at Miles Road. One day you will not be in the congregation, but the work that we together have started will continue at Miles Road. Moses is no longer on the scene, but the work that God wants to do is going to continue, and it will continue through Joshua. Joshua is the new commander-in-chief. And Joshua is preparing to attack the city of Jericho. Now, Joshua was a military general before he became the commander-in-chief of Israel. Joshua knows military strategy. He knows how to lead soldiers. He knows how to win victories. And as Joshua is preparing for this attack on Jericho, he does two things. Now, I want you to listen to what he does. The first thing he does is he invites God to join him. That's pretty good, isn't it? Think about that. He says, God, I invite you to come join my side. I invite you to come and be part of this military strategy that I have devised to bring down the walls of Jericho. God, join us. Secondly, he tells God the strategy that he has employed. And he asked God to bless it. God, would you come join us? God, I have the strategy. Would you bless the strategy so victory can be ours? Now you think about that. Would you have done that? Would I have done that? Sure we would. Who doesn't want God on their side? Who doesn't want God to bless their 
strategies. But Joshua, while he may have been sincere and well-meaning, he didn't understand something to verse 14 of chapter 5. He didn't understand the God of heaven is Lord. And when you're Lord, you are in charge. Are you listening to me? When you're Lord, you're in charge. And when you're a servant to a Lord, you take orders and you obey orders. You don't give them, you take them and you obey them. The Lord doesn't come into our situations to take sides. He comes in to take over. He's Lord. You may not make him Lord, but he's Lord. And as we sung earlier, one day, every living creature, wherever they may be, in heaven, on earth, or in hell, are going to bend their knee. They're going to bow their head. They're going to confess with their tongue to the glory of the Father that Jesus is Lord. You can say, I'm not going to do it. You will do it one day. You'll do it voluntarily or you'll do it forcibly, but you will do it. And so when Joshua says, Lord, come be on our side, God says, I ain't coming to be on your side. I'm coming to take over. I don't. And when Joshua said, Lord, here's my strategy. Would you bless it? God said, I'm not doing your strategy. I'm Lord. I've got my own strategy. I'm not under command of you. You're under my command. You're going to obey me. You know, that's kind of like we do sometimes, isn't it? Do you got a wants checkbook? I know checks are old-fashioned, but maybe some of you older folks have one. A wants checkbook. I've got one. And what I do from time to time is I'll fill out that wants check. I'll put specifically what I want and how much I want of it, and I'll date it when I want it. And then I'll pass it on to God and say, God, if you don't mind in your busy schedule, this is what I want. This is how much I want, and this is when I want it. Lord, would you just sign the check and give it back to me? That's called commitment. Lord, I'm committed to you. And by the way, Lord, how about just sign off on all this? The Lord doesn't want our commitment. Are you listening to me, church? He doesn't want our commitment. Because what commitment says, I'm in control. I just want your help. What the Lord wants us to do is take out that want checkbook. Take off that one check and don't put a single thing on it. Pass it up to Him. And say, Lord, whatever you want to do, do it. And I will obey. Because you're Lord. And I'm what? A servant. You're the king. And I'm a peasant. You're the commander in chief. I'm a soldier. I do not dictate to you you dictate to me. You see? When Joshua went to, to the ground and buried his face in the dirt, 
He wasn't committing. He was surrendering. We would be better today if we quit this recommitment nonsense and resurrender. Instead of walking to the Lord like this, like we're somebody and asking His help, we need to bury our face in the carpet in the tile and surrender ourselves to His sovereignty. For He is Lord. So before that battle ever begun, Joshua had to get himself right with God. I'm not in charge, you are. It's not my plan, it's your plan. And I'm not committing myself to you, I'm surrendering myself to you. Not my will be done, but thy will be done. You've heard that before, haven't you? Jesus, the Son of God, said that. Should not the Son of Men say that too? Secondly, as Joshua is preparing to bring down the city of Jericho, the fortress of Jericho that's blocking him from the promises of God, the blessings of God, as we prepare to bring down our Jerichos that are doing likewise, we first must, we must surrender to God's will. But secondly, we must act upon the victory. Look at verse 2 of chapter 6. Look at the wording, how it's worded. And the Lord spoke to Joshua after he surrenders to the will of God. And he says this. Listen to what the Lord said to Joshua. I have given unto you thy hand, Jericho. I have given unto your hand, Jericho. I've given unto you the king. And I've given to you all the mighty soldiers of that city. I have given. Now God's speaking in past tense, but the battle hasn't even taken place. You know why? Because God has already told Joshua, you're about to go into battle, but this battle is rigged. This battle is fixed. This battle is predetermined. This battle is like pro wrestling. You're going to win. The moment you surrendered to me, the victory was won. When David said, I will, Goliath became a walking dead man, as we saw last week. And as soon as Joshua said, it's, I'm not in charge, you are. It's not my plan, but your plan. Lord, what do you want me to do? That's when Joshua, Jericho was to become a ghost town. God has already told him the victory is his. All you have to do, Joshua, is believe what I tell you and do exactly what I tell you, and that city will fall. You see, God makes promises to us, doesn't he? He makes promises to us in the Bible, the Word of God. And when God speaks a promise to us, it's not just enough to believe it. We must act upon it. Belief without action is really non-belief. Okay? You understand that? Suppose, well, it's not no suppose, this church stewardship team handles God's money very good. 
And one of the things they believe is important is that they take care of the pastor and staff. And I'm deeply appreciative of that, and so is the staff. And I want you to know that. They believe that you take care of people who serve you well. And each year, in part of taking care of us, they give us a bonus check. You didn't know that, but I'm telling you. And it's a very gracious check and deeply appreciated. But suppose this year they said, Pastor, here's your bonus check for this year. And I'm appreciative and I'm thankful and I'm happy and I'm excited. And I look at that check and say, wow, that's far more than I deserve. But I ain't telling them. And I, and, I, and I take that check and I fold it up and I put it in my wallet. And I leave it there. It stays there through the rest of November, December, into next year. Stays there in February, March, April, May, June, July, August. Now, I believe the check's good. But I don't endorse it. I don't deposit it. I don't spend it. I just carry it around in my wallet. Now, let me ask you a question. What good is the check then? It's of no good. In order for the check to be mean something to me, I have to take it to the bank, endorse, deposit it, and spend it. And that's the way it is with the promises of God. God gives us a check called His promises. And we can say we believe them, but if we don't act upon them, if we don't employ them, then the promises are no good to us. What good is the promise of salvation if all you do is say, I believe it, but you never accept it? That's one of the great problems in the church today. We have people that sit just like you do. They know everything right there. You ask them a question, they can answer it because they know everything right there. But what they know right here never translates to right here, never translates to right here. It just doesn't. If we're going to bring down our Jerichos, we must surrender to the will of God. We must act upon the word of God that gives us victory. We must know the promises. We must not only know them, but believe them and then act upon them as God would have us to. Thirdly, we must obey God. Obedience. Look at verses 3 through 5. Now, we've got some fine military men in here, and some of them are officers and have led men into battle. This is God's military strategy that he gives to Joshua for how they're going to defeat the city of Jericho. Okay? Now, you men think about it who have served our country. What do you think about this strategy now? Because remember, Joshua had his plan already put out on the table. This is God's plan, verses 3 through 5. You shall go around the city with all the men of war, your soldiers. You should go around about the city once. And you should do this for six days. Seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram horns. And on the seventh day you shall compass the city seven times. Not one time, but seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they blow those trumpets, verse 5, with a long blast, 
when the people hear it, they will hear the sound of the trumpet and they will shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city shall fall down flat. Flat as a pancake. And the soldiers shall ascend up every man following one after the other. General Douglas MacArthur said, there is no substitute for victory. May I paraphrase and say, there is no substitute for obedience to God. When God speaks, God expects full, complete compliance to what he says. Full, complete compliance with precision to what he has said. You say, but pastor, I don't understand what God's saying sometimes. That's good. If you could understand God, he wouldn't be God. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He's so far ahead of us, even if he bothered to explain it, we'd go, I don't know what you're talking about. It'd be like Einstein trying to teach an ant. God doesn't say, understand me. You say, but I got questions what he's telling me to do. Ask your questions, but he's not going to answer them. Because if he answered them, you still wouldn't understand. You say, I don't agree with God. He doesn't quite frankly care. It's not for us to understand. It's not for us to agree with. It's not for us to ask questions about. When God speaks, we're to be like E.F. Hutton. We're to listen and we're to be like Nike. Just do it. I own stock in both of those countries, by the way, companies. But that's what we do. God spoke to Joshua and he said, here's your military plan. This is mine. This is what you're to do. Now, you military guys, listen, this is the plan. We just read it, but let me kind of break it down for you. He said, Monday through Saturday, this is what I want you to do. I want you to have one long column, and I want that one long column that will consist of forward soldiers who will lead you, seven priests who will come behind those forward soldiers carrying trumpets, the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolizes the presence of God. God was in a box in that day, the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant will follow the priest who will follow the forward guard of soldiers, and behind the Ark of the Covenant will become the rear guard of the soldiers. So this is the column that will go. And this column will go around the city of Jericho one time. It'll take them about 45 minutes to do that. They're not to say anything. They're not to talk. They're not to chatter. They're not to trash talk the people who are watching them from Jericho. They're to quietly, silently wake one lap around the city and go home. They're to do that on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Six days. That's what they're to do. On Sunday, the seventh day. They're also to line up as they normally did before. The front guard soldiers leading, the priests following, the Ark of the Covenant behind them, and then the rear guard of soldiers coming behind. This time, on the last day, the seventh day, they're to go around the city 
not once, but seven times. It's going to take them about seven hours to do this. Also, they are to bring with them on that seventh day all of the Israelites. And they're to stand off in the background as the column circles the city seven times. Again, there will be no talking. There will be no chattering. There will be no name calling. There will be no trash talking. Quietness. At the end of the seventh lap, the priest will stop and they will blow their trumpets in unison. All seven priests will blow all seven trumpets as loud as they can. And when the people who are standing in the background hear the trumpets go off, they will become Pentecostal Baptists. And they'll do some shouting. And when they shout, with the blasting of the trumpets, the city walls of Jericho, 90, 60 feet high, 45 feet thick in some places, are going to come crashing down. And it'll be flat as a pancake. It won't be a bunch of rubble. It will be as flat as a pancake. Just obey me, Joshua. You surrendered to me. That's good. But now I want you to obey me. The victory is yours. Just surrender to me and obey me. And this battle will not be yours. It'll be mine. And you will be in awe of what I'm going to do. You see, God doesn't always ask us to know or understand it, does he? Remember when Jesus had the blind man come to him? And the blind man wanted to see. What did Jesus do? Got some mud. And stuck it on the man's eyes. If you were the blind man, would you have allowed Jesus to do that? I mean, honestly. If you knew he was going to get some dirty, stinking mud all the ground. If you knew he was going to spit in that mud and put it on your eyes, would you let him do it? Let's be honest, most of us would probably have a problem with that. And we'd stay blind. Naaman the leper had leprosy. One of the most deadly diseases of all time. And the prophet said, go to the river, dip yourself seven times and you'll be clean. The Jordan River was nasty. It was also associated with God's people, the Israelites. Naaman was a pagan. He was a man who was prided himself on being clean. Would he go do it? Well, if he didn't, he'd be a leper the rest of his life. Remember when the disciples were fishing? They'd been up all night trying to catch something. Jesus, the carpenter, comes out and says, Listen, guys, if you'll move just a little bit over that way and throw your nets over that way, you'll have a howl. Don't you think those disciples resented that? Who's he? He knows how to saw wood, but he don't know how to cast a worm. <laughs> but they did it. And if they wouldn't have done it, they would have had no fish. Who would believe that God says, if you will tithe 10% of your income to me, 
No questions asked. Just give me 10% off the top. I will take the 90% you have left over, and I'll make it go further than if you would have kept the entire 100% to yourself. You see, God's ways are always our ways. His thoughts are not always our thoughts. That's why he just says, listen, don't question me. Don't try to understand me. Just do what I tell you to do, and you will be blessed. And that's what Joshua does. When we get to heaven, Joshua will probably say, I didn't really agree with that strategy. <laughs> but I'm a man under authority, and I do what I'm told. Quickly, we've got to wrap up. Principle number one, surrender to God's will if you want Jericho's to come down. Act upon the victory. Do something. When God tells you to do something, do it. Don't just sit. Do something. Thirdly, obey what God tells you to do. Total, complete obedience. Don't cut corners. Don't do halfway. Total, complete obedience. Fourthly, be patient while God works. I'm, I'm impatient. I know you're not. Thank you for allowing me to be your pastor, an impatient pastor with a very patient people. You know I'm being facetious, don't you? But all of us want God to do something when? Right now. God, if you don't mind... I'm the most important person down here. You know that. And I don't, would you put everybody else aside for a moment? Stop what you're doing. This is what I need of you. This is what I want of you. This is how much I want. This is when I want it. This is where I want it. And this is what I want you to do. And I want you to do it right now. That sound like you? I think it sounds like all of us sometimes. Yet in Exodus 14, 14, it says the Lord will fight for you. I like that. The Lord will fight for me. Wow. And you need to be still and wait. <laughs> Hebrews 6, 12, through faith and patience, you will inherit what God has promised. Patience. Waity. I'm sure God could have said, listen, Joshua, there's no need for us to fool around. Why wait seven days? Why have to do 13 laps? Why do we have to go through this processional? Why do we need to do all of this? Joshua, what I'm going to do is, you just guys just approach Jericho, and I'm just going to go, boop, and watch it all come down. Why didn't God do that? Why does God make us wait? Why doesn't God just do something quickly, instantly? Why don't God just put the stuff in the microwave instead of on the stove? Why did God say no talking? Why did God say, I don't want to peep out of you. I just want you to do what I tell you to do. Seven days, 13 laps, not a peep out of you. And when you do that, the walls will come tumbling down. Why did God do that? Can I suggest to you three things quick? Number one, because he's trying to teach obedience. Not just obedience for one day, but obedience every day. Not just obedience for one week, but obedience every week. 
God was seeing if the children of Israel, the Israelites, his people, would obey him on Monday, but also on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and, yes, on Sunday. You see, some of us like to pick and choose our obedience, don't we? Lord, I think I'll be obedient today on Monday, but I got a big party coming up on Tuesday, so I don't think I'm going to do so good then. God says, listen, I want you to be obedient every single day of your life to me and in every situation and circumstance. So God stretches it out and makes us be patient so he can teach obedience. Also, so he can teach perseverance. Most of us are prone to quit. Winners never quit and quitters never win. That's an old football expression, but it also works for God's people. Sometimes the greatest victories you and I will ever have in the Christian life is because we refuse to quit. Many of us quit too early. We throw in the towel. God says, stay with me. It isn't over till it's over. It's not over till all four quarters are played. It's not over till all nine innings are played. It's not over till the final gun. Hang in there. Sometimes victories will be won in the very last seconds of the game of life. He also made them wait. He teaches patience because he wants to teach us obedience and perseverance. But listen to your pastor. And this is a free sermon, by the way, on this one. Sometimes he wants us to be patient so we'll keep our mouths shut. I'm not a big fan of social media. I'm not on it. But we've got far too many people who, instead of using social media to share information, where I think it can be a wonderful thing, they want to get on social media and they want to share every single thing they think. They want to share every single thing they feel. They want to share every little situation and circumstance they're going through. They say things they should never say. And once you say it, you can't get it back. Sometimes God's people just need to keep their mouth shut. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you feel. Take your thoughts and feelings to God and be quiet. That's why he told the children of Israel, be quiet. Because under Moses' leadership, all they did was run their mouth. Complaining, murmuring, criticizing, griping, grizzling. So much that Moses wanted to quit. God said to them, you're under new leadership, under new management, and I want you to be quiet. Quit your belly aching and be quiet. I told you that was free. And then lastly, we've got to wind it up. We must learn that faith is the victory. Hebrews 11.30 says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell. By faith. It didn't say Joshua brought the walls of Jericho down. It said, By faith the walls of Jericho fell. Now, your question might be what my question was. Why does in Hebrews chapter 11, the great Hall of Fame chapter, why does God talk about all these people by name and he doesn't mention Joshua? Because Joshua didn't do it. God did. All Joshua did was surrender and obey and do what God said, waited on God to do what God said he would do, and God did it. What a wonderful way to live. Just wait on God to do it, and then we just follow behind. 
and get the blessing. A Sunday school teacher was teaching a class on this particular chapter and verse. And the Sunday school teacher looked at her little boys and girls and she said, who broke down the walls of Jericho? And a little boy raised his hand and said, I don't know, but it wasn't me. <laughs> well, that's what Joshua would say. I don't know who broke him. It wasn't me. But we know who did it. God did it. And what is faith? Faith is nothing but saying, but God said it. A promise that I believe, and I'm going to act on it. God said it, I believe it, I'm going to act on it. That's faith. God said it in his word. I believe that what God says is true, and what God said is true, I will act upon it. You see, fact says I have to see it to believe it. Faith says I don't have to see it at all. I already believe it's happened. Are you facing something impossible this morning? What's lying in front of you right now that's blocking you from the promises and blessings of God? What's your Jericho? Would you read the word of God? Would you pray to God? And would you ask God to give you a promise? When God speaks through his word, he will give us a promise for what we're going through. But you've got to read the word and pray for a word. When God gives that word to you, you will know it. You will know it inside. You'll know it. And then I ask you not to, to believe it and to act upon it. Whatever God says to you in that promise he gives you as you face your impossible situation, just do it. And when you do it, be quiet. You don't have to say one word to anybody. Just be quiet. And be patient. Don't expect God to do it overnight. God is in no rush. The only one who needs to rush is the devil because his time is short. God's in no rush. And we need to be obedient. Just do what God says. Even though we don't understand it, just do what God says. And our Jerichos will come tumbling down. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.